Hi, and welcome to Strengthening the Soul of Your Leadership podcast. My name is Ruth Haley Barton, founder of the Transforming Center, and I'm here with Steve Weens, Senior Pastor of Genesis in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Steve is also a Transforming Community alum, which means we have spent time laughing, growing, and being transformed in the presence of Christ in community with other leaders. Thanks, Ruth. And I want to let you know we appreciate the great response we've had to the first four seasons of the podcast. And we would love to bring more seasons and expand what we're doing with the podcast. But all those things take financial resources. So if you've enjoyed the podcast, we invite you to become a monthly patron of the podcast by going to patreon.com and searching for Strengthening the Soul of your leadership podcast. Steve, what is Patreon? I don't even know what that is. Oh my gosh, you're such a Luddite. <laughs> I know. Just enlighten me, please. Patreon is a great way that people who listen to you and who love the Ministry of Transforming Center and who've gotten things out of this podcast to be able to give $2 a month, $5 a month or more, and they get they get bonus content from you, Ruth, that no one else gets. Exclusive <laughs> Wonderful. bonus content. There's no downside to that, is there? There is no, no downside. downside. So go to patreon.com, everybody. Search for Ruth Haley Barton or Strengthening the Soul of Your Leadership podcast. And please join us by becoming a monthly patron. Ruth Haley Barton. We are at episode seven. And in this fascinating journey with Elijah that started so slow, we hardly got out of his nap <laughs> uh, after episode five and six. But here we are. We've made it all the way to the cave. Uh, he's experienced rest mm -hmm. for his body, rest for his mind. Now, where is he and where is he in the story? Yeah. Well, I think that his answer to the question, telling God the whole truth about his situation, the good, the bad, and the ugly is what I call it that it's rest for the mind, you know, to stop working so hard to fix our own lives and to solve our own problems. So I think Elijah's definitely there, resting the mind and no longer trying to fix anything because he knows that what most needs to be done in his own life, only God can do. The other thing that I see in this sort of rush of self-disclosure that comes out in response to God's question is that it is very restful to finally have a place where you can just let it all hang yes. out. And I think that's what's happening in the cave. You know, when he says the good and the bad and the ugly, I alone am left and they're seeking my life to take it away. Um, he's finally telling the whole truth of his situation and just letting it all yes. hang out right there. Yes. And that is rest for the soul, I think. And of course, back to Psalm 131, I know I'm toggling back and forth, but Psalm 131 is really talking about rest for the soul as well. Um, that weaned child just content to be in the presence of the one um, that they trust, in the presence of the one who has all that they need, that just to be in that presence is all the, the person needs. And I think it does remind us of what it's like to be a child, that, mm -hmm. that David is actually saying, this is what the soul at rest in God looks like. The soul at rest in God looks like a child, right? And so you think about a child, children, and you realize that they don't hold anything back. Just like Elijah, just let it all hang out. That's the way children are. You know, if they are hurt or sad, man, they just, they cry. They, yeah, they say what they have to say. <laughs> they snot all over your shirt. They yeah. don't care. Um, if they're very happy about something, they squeal with delight and giggle and run around in circles. If they have a question, even though it's embarrassing to us, they just ask it right mm -hmm. out in front mm -hmm. of everybody because they don't know any better. They haven't been socialized mm -hmm. to do it any differently than that. 
If they want something, they just say so, you know, I want that candy or I want that cookie or whatever. And that is the sign of a child who's being raised well, that they feel comfortable with uh, what they want. They feel comfortable with those who are raising them, that they're, that they're deeply loved. And I think it's a beautiful picture of how we can be in God's presence is that we don't have to hold anything back, that we cultivate solitude and silence as a place of rest in God for the soul where we get to be that child in God's presence, um, in the presence of a loving parent. And, and the rest is in not having to hold anything back anymore. We don't have to act a certain way. We don't have to be socially acceptable. We can just let it all come out in the rush of self-disclosure and know that God loves us and will hold us and care for us in that place. And that's really very, very restful. Um, I can think of some times in my life where I have even told another human being something that was pretty recently. I'm not going to say what I said. Mm-hmm. Oh, <laughs> but, shoot. <laughs> but I, but I, but I said it was my mm-hmm. spiritual director. Yes. Right. And, and I actually had been holding something mm-hmm. back for months. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I said, I have to be honest mm-hmm. and I'm embarrassed to say yeah. it, but mm-hmm. blank. Mm-hmm. And he just, and I've seen him forever. I mean, yeah. eight, eight or nine, well, not forever, but a long time. Mm-hmm. And he just said, well, naming it is just the best and mm-hmm. most freeing first step. Yeah. And there was, there was an immediate rest. Mm-hmm. For yes. Me right. In that not and, hold it. Cause you're using no. energy to hold it. Aren't mm-hmm. you? Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And he didn't try to solve mm-hmm. it and I didn't try right. to solve it. I couldn't. Yeah. And he couldn't, mm-hmm. but he just, he was like, he mm-hmm. bore witness yeah. to it. Mm-hmm. And, and I think God does that too. And like with our stories, God, mm-hmm. you know, why are you here? Right. Well, God wants to bear witness to our story. Yeah. And I think that's a very loving thing. Well, and in the ministry of spiritual direction to also relieve yourself of the need to fix anybody's life. So your spiritual director was also able to rest with what you had said without fixing because obviously uh, he knew how to do that in his own relationship with God. So we've talked about rest for the body, rest for the mind. Now this episode, rest for the soul. Is there a significance about that order in terms of our spiritual mm-hmm. transformation? I mean, I I think that it often goes in that order, that it's hard to be present to anything when you're physically exhausted and falling asleep. Um, I think to get the mind to settle itself down and to quiet itself down helps you then to get to the truth of your life that you can then lay out there a little bit more honestly because the mind is the mind is a little bit more connected with the ego mm-hmm, you know mm-hmm, so the mind mm-hmm. is always going to try to put the right spin on everything and that's another way that we work hard <laughs> on stuff so we sort of have to get beyond what the mind does in order to get to the truth of the soul and to let that come out in a way that's restful so i find that that progression pretty well holds you know the way it works for me anyway makes sense to me too mm-hmm. especially when you tie the ego yeah. in there sort of mm-hmm. the slippery yeah. false self ego right. Which is doing its job. Yeah. And, and then when it comes to soul yes. work, right. you don't help me anymore. Mm-hmm. That's <laughs> you know? right. And so we'll just let you rest. Yeah. And we'll work on this on another level. Man, that's so good. That's such a good picture. Uh, so you share a great story in the book uh, about your daughter Cherry's senior prom, which happened to mm-hmm. coincide and overlap with a speaking engagement you had. Uh, would you tell that yeah. story? Well, it happens to me a lot because my speaking stuff is on the yeah. calendar longer than my family stuff. And so it hasn't happened often. And I feel like that's been God's grace to me. And it's part of 
I think when I discern speaking stuff, if I have a catch in my spirit or God says no, then I just don't. And then I find out later why. But in this case, this speaking thing had been on the calendar for probably 18 months or something mm-hmm. like that. And the, the senior prom date came up in a much shorter time frame than that. And so I was devastated because I wasn't about to miss her senior prom. So I went to the conference organizer and we tried to talk about it and work it out. She was very gracious and she said, well, you know, nobody's ever going to remember whether you're at this conference, but your daughter will always remember whether you were at the senior prom. So she had suggestions and we worked it out that I went. It was, I think it was in Kansas City, something close to, to Chicago. So it's a very quick flight, 45 minutes mm-hmm. or something like that. So she said, how about if you go start, you, it was a two day thing, a Friday, Saturday. How about if you get there to launch your thing on Friday morning and speak until some sort of a flight time and then fly home, be with your daughter and then come back and wrap it up. And so that was a great idea. And I, as she said, is there anybody who can sort of help you with this speaking engagement and hold it while you're gone? And I had asked somebody to come with me almost in a mentoring sort of way. And I said to him, I said, well, guess what? Now I need you to do more than be mentored. Would you be willing to actually lead this thing while I'm gone? You know, like Mm -hmm. I'll be leaving for a while. Would you take this piece of it? And he agreed to do it. So um, with all of that, I was able to come back home to be with Charity on her senior prom night on a Friday night. And so it was beautiful and wonderful. Everything had to go perfectly well in order for me to get there on time. And I did. And you know, you, you have sons, not daughters, but I'm telling you the first time you see your daughter all dressed up for a senior prom is a pretty amazing moving moment for a mother. And then she was with a great young man who is now her husband. Mm. So I'm extremely glad I did not miss that night in their shared life together because that was really a beginning for them. Um, and I was able to connect with the rest of my family for a quick meal. And then I got right back on a plane and went back to the speaking thing. And um, when I got onto the plane, I had stuff with me. Um, but I didn't pull out a book or something to write or notes to work on. But instead, I felt very invited by God to be with what is, to be with what was true in my own soul. And, you know, when we enter into these times of solitude, there are categories of things. Um, I often think of at least two. There are, might be things that we're grieving or that are hard for us to bear. And then there might also be gratitude. Both of those things exist in all of our lives. So on this night, um, I felt very invited by God to just sit in the darkness of the airplane and be with my gratitude. And so... Um, those were the days when they didn't pack the flights so tight. Right, so I think right. I was the only one in my row and they turned the lights down. It's a very intimate feeling to be flying late at night by yourself. And so I just allowed myself the delicious um, opportunity to just go back over all the events of the day and to notice everything that went right. You know, my the, the conference organizer who was so gracious to me, my colleague who was willing to step in and teach for me, um, the, the young person in the getaway car who got me to the airport, the flight that went well, all of Charity's beauty, you know, um, everything that was wonderful about her and her husband, well, they were nowhere yeah. near that then, but, uh, just how wonderful it felt to trust this young man with our daughter for the night. Cause we knew him well, they'd been friends for a long time. Um, and just to connect with my life, my, my own human life and what, how full my heart was, of all that I had gotten to be a part of, and then that I was able to get back and finish up my work. And my heart was so full of gratitude for having sat for 45 or 50 minutes with gratitude that I'm telling you, I think I flew through the next week. I should have been exhausted, Hmm. but I was full of so much energy from having just been with this 
part of my soul's life without doing anything with it except being with it. Um, and so that's the experience I think of solitude and silence is that you, you are just with what, with what is in your life with God. And there's something about that that rests you. There's something about that that fills you, um, something that gives you energy for your life, something that blesses you and meets you. And of course there's stories of the other kind of experience too. You know, when we have to be with our grief Mm -hmm. and God invites us to be present to our grief rather than distracting ourselves. And God says, I want to be with you with that too. And then we discover that God meets us and comforts us in ways that we never would have been comforted if we hadn't been brave enough to be with our grief in God's presence. And so that's what I think about when I think about um, being a soul in God's presence and resting the soul is that you just let it be what it is with God and let God do God's thing. I have a mentor in my life um, that noticed a phrase I said several Mm -hmm. times and it was I would start my sentence with if I'm going to be honest Mm -hmm. I was you know (laughs) wow and after a while he goes like what else would you want to be yeah (laughs) I know know. and how often are you not (laughs) yeah 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 and and it it was because he's Mm -hmm. he's really deep but Mm -hmm. also super funny he's like a labrador retriever kind of a Mm -hmm. he's just loving you Mm -hmm. know and so I never feel judged yeah um but he did notice that Mm -hmm. and just okay just pay Mm -hmm. attention to that (laughs) because that probably means that I'm not yeah um and there's a of course, there's a misleading, lying, but there's also just a sense of, because of some fear, probably, mm-hmm. I don't allow myself to yeah. go to the depths because mm-hmm. it, it's scary and it might move, it might shift the foundations mm-hmm. in ways that feel dangerous. So being with God with what is, mm-hmm. um, talk about how that is and I'm putting words in your mouth, but I just want you to riff on it, but how that actually is the safest place to be. Mm-hmm. Being yeah. with God with what really is. Yeah, well, it's certainly a whole, a whole lot more safe than repressing because anything that you repress is probably going to rise to the surface at some point. Um, I also find it really hopeful when I'm when there is something going on that I can't quite figure out or something that's disturbing me on a level or whatever. And I, and I know that I have this rhythm of solitude in my life where even though I might not be able to stop right now and pay attention, that I do have a rhythm in my life and I will be able to be with it eventually and soon. And that has become quite an anchor for my life as well, because it means that I can, you know, move through whatever it is I'm moving through, but know that I will be able to pay attention and to be with it in God's presence and to get more insight, um, or comfort or whatever it is that I need relative to that thing eventually. Um, so just even knowing we have this rhythm in place can actually help us be more peaceful with disturbing things or difficult things as we're in them because we know we have to have a place to go with it. Um, so if you don't if you don't have a place to go with it, it just keeps building up inside you. And wow, I mean, I just think more of us are probably at that mm-hmm. place where yeah. we're, and that's your metaphor, but we're pushing mm-hmm. the beach ball down Right. Pretty soon our, arm, mm-hmm. our arms are shaking and then it's going to burst out of the water and it's going to be bigger than mm-hmm. it, than it right. needs to be if we would have dealt, it, right. dealt, dealt with it earlier. So there's this anticipation that mm-hmm. you talk about, this 
like almost like you're hungry for a good meal and you're looking right. forward to, oh yeah, yeah. that broth mm-hmm. is going to taste broth. I don't know. Like, why do I think <laughs> do broth? Do you eat broth a lot? Oh, wow. Never. <laughs> I never do. And why would that be delicious? Like, anyway, that is so funny. Steak. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, broth. Yeah. Who am I trying to impress mm-hmm. by saying broth? <laughs> Enneagram three problems. Um, so being, being, there's a being with God with what is. Um, and you talked about these two different ways of being with God. One, you know, the charity, the prom, the gratitude, one, and then the other side is real grief. Mm-hmm. And so, um, and this is public, but there's a couple in our church who, they just have the most darling four-year-old, and I love this girl so mm-hmm. much. And she has a brain tumor, and, um, you know, their, their journey, they've mm-hmm. had so many um, times with the doctor, and just a couple days ago, mm. I read on their Caring Bridge site that the tumor's growing again. Oh, and wow. uh, and I saw them on Sunday mm-hmm. morning, and um, they, they went right in front of me, and I stopped them mm-hmm. and just hugged each of them and looked at them. Mm-hmm. And I didn't, I really didn't mm-hmm. have a word, Ruth. Yeah. I didn't know what to say other than I love you. Mm-hmm. And, I, I, and I texted them the yeah. night that I found out, I'm so mad, I'm mm-hmm. so sad. Um, and so, but they are dealing with mm-hmm. it and yeah. it is horrific. Wow. wow. It is horrific. How, there are no easy answers. Mm-hmm. I don't expect there to be. How are they going to find rest in the middle of that kind of grief for their souls in a way that might be satisfying? Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I, I trust that it's what we've said here that, that they're able to just be with their grief openly before the Lord and that it's not, they don't have any other expectation of themselves except for that. Um, and then they discover how God meets people in these horrendous situations. And it's always very unique. That's the other thing that I've seen so often is that when we open our lives up to God in this way, that God has these extremely personal, intimate ways that God meets us that are perfect for us. Um, and you just can't even believe that one God could be that personal with all of us like that. Hmm. And, and it's a great deal of trust too, that if I do go to God with this, that he will meet me. I think one of the reasons that we don't oftentimes bring these kinds of things to God is that we're not sure that he can meet us or will. Uh, so it's kind of risky too. It, um, it is. Yeah. And yet the scriptures are clear that, uh, blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. And I think many of us don't receive the comfort that we need because we haven't been brave enough to really mourn. Yeah. Um, well, um, another one of my friends who knew went up to them and looked at them and then used mm-hmm. a word, a word that I won't use on this mm-hmm. yeah. rated PG mm-hmm. podcast mm-hmm. and then said to them, I'm sorry, I'll that mm-hmm. and then they said, No, mm-hmm. we, we want you yeah. to say that because right. it helps. Yeah. Um and you know, and they were mm-hmm. they were in this unique way and then one of my sons was with my friend and said to my friend, but now watch your language. Mm-hmm. <laughs> my nine-year-old. Oh, oh, my God. Well, you've trained him well, Steve. <laughs> no, I haven't. <laughs> so, so my friend said, you know, there are some appropriate times. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, but, I, but I do, um, as a pastor, I can get complete, like, 
when there are no answers to that kind of a thing, there better be a God Mm -hmm. who meets us in that pain. Right. Or else I got nothing else for you. Exactly. I got nothing else. Yeah. And hopefully it does relieve sometimes the burden of feeling like you have to be the one because you can do what you can do, but then you trust, you have to trust them to God Yeah, and to the God who loves them and who, to the God who always comes, you know, Yes, reminds me, this is intercessory prayer Mm -hmm. stuff, but one of the things that you say over and over again, I've learned and I I pass it on to everybody, Mm but, um, that, that you pick when you pray for someone like that, it's less words. You just picture bringing them Mm -hmm. into this room where Jesus is Mm -hmm. You leave them with Jesus mm-hmm. because Jesus knows what they need far right. more than you do. You mm-hmm. close the doors and you walk mm-hmm. out. And that's a restful way for the soul of praying mm-hmm. even. That's been very helpful yeah. for me. Um, so, well, um, how can written prayers help us find rest for the soul in these seasons where, you know, where we need something that, the mind can't offer and well writing is an in the body experience that gives the body a chance to to allow its knowing to come forth and so i don't know if you've ever had the experience of journaling and then going back and reading your journal and thinking wow did i say that that's a whole lot better than anything (laughs) i could usually think up yes um or sometimes something even comes back to us that's that we realize, oh, that's God addressing me. Yeah. Um, so writing or journaling can be a way of getting some of it out rather than just holding it as this morass of darkness within. Um, many of us who write on any level find writing to be therapeutic and it's a concrete activity that God can really use and meet us within. So um, sometimes when feelings are deep and grief is deep, that if you just leave it stuck in there, it gets stuck. And writing is just a way to, to bring it out and to allow God to deal with it out here. Um, and it gives the body a way to release its energies and to release that. Somehow it's cathartic even to write. And God, I think God knows that. That's why I think sometimes is powerful. It, it's because we can only write so fast, mm-hmm. you know, so like our, our, our minds yeah. and souls can actually catch mm-hmm. up to it. Right. Um, so there's that. And I'm also asking about resting in prayers mm-hmm. that others have written the same. Oh, I see and, what you're saying. Yeah, let's stop yeah. that. And let's really do it. No, no, both. Oh, you do? Okay. I love that piece. Okay. We're going <laughs> to keep right. going. All We're right. All right. That out. All right. Um, yes. Yeah, so sometimes the written prayers of the church, the, either the Psalms, because David was really good at expressing deep he, things, he but, fair. um, the, the prayers of the church, um, really do express things that, we want to express, but we wouldn't be able to. And so written prayers, other people's written prayers, even prayers like from someone like Ted Loder, Pastor Ted Loder that we love, and we read a lot of his prayers on these podcasts. He expresses things in ways that you're like, yeah, that's exactly what I want to say, but I couldn't say it like that. So when we pray along with someone else who has written their prayers down, it actually really helps us to say things that we know we want to say, but haven't been able to formulate the words for. It's a real blessing. I have met many Mm -hmm. evangelical Christians who they're almost like, wait a minute, I can use prayers that other people have mm-hmm. written and that, yeah. that counts, you know, I'm yeah. like, oh my gosh, mm-hmm. yes. Uh, yeah. and, and that as has been so true. restful. Yeah, yeah, as, yeah, as, as long, long as you pray true. them in truth. But that um, is very restful. Mm-hmm. So oh, thank you. This one, Rest for the Soul, it, um, it has a kind of importance to it, I think, that's easy to miss. But I want to remind folks, it's simply being with God, mm-hmm. with what is, yeah. 
and then mm-hmm. experiencing the overwhelming love of God for accepting mm-hmm. you in the middle of right. this thing that you can't solve and you right. can't. Yeah. And let's just also say that you might not always have any sort of big encounter with God that you can feel in the midst of all this. Truth. But as you emerge and as you make your way through your life, you'll realize that having been able to release it into God's presence and be with it with someone who cares and knows that that actually relieves the pressure um, and, and makes you able to be with it as you enter back into your life. So I, I, in the spiritual life and in Solitude the Silence in particular, a lot of what's happening is, is going on underneath the surface. Um, and we don't always have any cognitive awareness of what's happening, but it is happening, whatever it is, it's mm-hmm. happening. And we only find out about it later. Um, so there's something about faithfulness to this, these practices, even when we can't discern what's happening it's still at work. God is still at work, much of which we don't even have in our conscious awareness as it's happening. I think that's what Rilke is mm-hmm. getting at. And with that beautiful quote mm-hmm. that you read, just love yeah. the questions. Mm-hmm. And at some point right. along the way, you'll live into the answers. You'll live into the answers. Mm-hmm. So yeah. uh, would you have a practice that you uh, would lead us through? Yes. Well, let's take time to breathe again. Three deep breaths. And as we're quieting ourselves in God's presence using our breathing, let's first wonder, is there anything that is hurting in your life these days? Any grief that you've been holding? It doesn't even have to be momentous. It could be something that to somebody else might not even be a big deal, but to you it is a big deal. Um, could be a hurtful interaction with someone who matters to you or being left out of something that you wanted to be included in, a loss that you haven't processed fully yet. Whatever it is that might be weighing on your soul right now, just hold that in God's presence. Maybe even cup your hands as a way of holding it in God's presence and, and even notice where, where your hands are comfortable being. Is it in your lap? Is it raising your hands partially up to the Lord to hold it out there in God's presence? Um, Is it raising your hands high above your head as a way of really offering this up to the Lord in the best way that you know how, just to be with it in God's presence? And go ahead and let yourself experience the the full grief, the full weight of it. If tears come, let them come. Tears are certainly a way that God has given to us to deal with grief, to release grief. If you notice that your body would like to do something more like kneel or lay face down on the ground, curl up in a blanket, just sit there in utter, utter stillness. Go ahead and follow your body's lead because we're getting better and better at listening to our bodies.
Don't censor yourself at all. Don't try to change how you feel. Don't try to fix anything or solve anything. Just be with the grief and the hurt in God's presence. In silence, my soul waits for you and you alone, O God. From you alone comes my salvation. And then notice if there's anything in particular that you're grateful for these days where have you experienced life and authentic connection with God and with others and just be with that for a moment in God's presence and allow the energy of gratitude to fill you up to fill your heart Thanks be to God. Amen. Thanks so much for listening today. We know there are thousands of podcasts to choose from, and we are grateful you spent the last 30 minutes with us. If God has stirred something in you about your own leadership experience, maybe God is inviting you to begin your own journey of leadership transformation. I was a part of Transforming Community Number 6, way back in 2011 and it was such an important part of my spiritual journey transforming community is a practice-based spiritual formation journey with nine quarterly retreats the transforming community is designed to integrate your spirituality and leadership helping you reclaim practices and experiences spiritual seekers down through the ages have used to open themselves to god's transforming work Also, if you've enjoyed the podcast, we would love to hear from you. And there are three ways that you can respond. One is going to patreon.com, search for Strengthening the Soul of Your Leadership podcast, and you can become a monthly patron at various levels. Second is that you can share your favorite episode with friends. And third is you can go onto iTunes and leave a rating and review. To find out more about the Transforming Community Experience or to apply, go to transformingcenter.org. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. May your love be shown. May your-